men, I guess, are a little bit more forgiving with that kind of stuff. If she maybe isn't well-educated or doesn't have a great job, but she's super kind and friendly and shows compassion and she's cute, the guys will give her a chance. This is just an acknowledgement of how weird these times are, and I am continuing to release episodes that I recorded weeks ago, and I just wanted to say that I just want to acknowledge anyone out there who's listening who is a healthcare worker or who is in a vulnerable position with the coronavirus and COVID-19 that I'm thinking of you. And I know that this is a really weird period of time for all of us, everyone who's quarantined, but especially people who are at risk. So I just wanted to say that and say that I'm, you know, it's very much on my heart what's happening. And I am moving forward with the podcast and everything that we're doing here in terms of building tribe and building community around healthy relationship. And I do think that that's part of the future of humanity if we're going to have a shot at evolving. So I just wanted to say that as a preface, just to say, I acknowledge that things are really strange right now and we're still doing this thing. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Men. I am super excited to have our first matchmaker on the podcast. Welcome matchmaker May. She is a matchmaker serving Los Angeles and Colorado Springs. We are thrilled to have you today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, I would love to hear. Um, I would love to hear sort of like your your journey of how you became a matchmaker and specifically the demographic that you serve because I think that's really interesting. Okay. Okay. I when I turned thirty, I signed up for a matchmaking company, a video matchmaking, and I just thought they were horrible. And I was like, man, I could totally do this better than them. I was working in the corporate world, so I did not think about leaving my corporate job for matchmaking. So I just kept looking for men on my own, did online dating and all that. And finally, I quit my corporate job and I thought, hey, I wanted to start that dating company from all these years ago. I think I'm going to finally do it. So I got certified with a matchmaking institute in New York and learned the pros and cons, built a great business plan regarding the business, and then opened the doors up in 2009 and started serving men who wanted to meet Asian women. So my niche is helping Asian women meet men of all ethnicities in the U.S., Los Angeles, Colorado Springs, and uh, nationwide. So that's kind of my niche. And I got started with it because my parents were always super nosy with my friends' love lives and my cousins and everybody around us. So they started setting up people And that's kind of what got in my head and the back of my mind that, oh, this is kind of cool to set people up. And uh, I've been doing this for 10 and a half years. 
and I meet women all over the place, everywhere, whether it's online, whether it's at an art gallery opening or any networking function. And I just get them enrolled in my database. And when I meet men who are looking for them, I set them up. So it's free for the women to be part of my database. And then I help the men find the right person for them. So this is, okay, so when you say Asian, that could be Asian featured women that might be from Asia or Asian American women. Is that right? That is correct. So it could be Asian American women like myself, born in the U.S., uh, but very still culturally aware and very into my culture, my Asian culture. And it can also be women who are, that just came over when they, from college or, you know, they came over during their college years and they maybe came on a visa or maybe they're visiting or they now live here. So it's maybe they have an accent. Um, But yes, I work with Asian American women and Asian women, I guess you could say. So yeah, let's talk about this because I think this is really interesting. I was um, uh, out with one of my, one of my best friends is Asian American and we were out and there was this really cute guy and long story short, he was not into me at all. And he was very into her. And it turned out that's his type. He loves Asian featured women. And I'm wondering, like, do you ever come across, like, are there men who have like shame around, I like this type of woman, or I like these type of features that they feel like maybe they shouldn't, or like, what is your relationship with, with men and shame around their preferences, especially with with what you do? That is a great question. Um, I do work with men who have never been boyfriend, girlfriend with an Asian woman before, never been in a relationship with an Asian woman before, but maybe their coworkers were Asian or their friends are Asian. And now all of a sudden they want to date Asian women because they find them attractive based on their features and their culture and their traditions and values. Uh, Then I also have men who are divorced. Maybe it's a great Jewish guy who married Jewish, had Jewish kids, raised them Jewish. Now he's divorced and he's like, I've always had this fascination with Asian women. I want to meet them because they are also very similar to the Asian or Jewish background, meaning education is important, values are important, uh, traditions are important. So I don't think there's anything wrong with a preference because we all have preferences. I mean, people have preferences with, I want tall men. I want men of this physique. I want men with hair. I want brunettes. I want blondes. So we have to have a little bit of spark or attraction for our mate before we can have a relationship with them, right? We can't just not be attracted to somebody and try to make a relationship work So the only time I have a problem with a person is when they say, oh, I want to date Asian, but I don't care what Asian culture or anything about what they do where they're from, but they just have to be Asian. Like if they're quote unquote yellow fever, we've all heard of that, right? So if they don't care about the person, but just want to date an Asian woman, then that's kind of weird. But I could usually sense that or tell 
what kind of guy they are when I talk to them. So, yeah, I'm curious who, like, who are the men that find you and how do they find you and what do they, you know, what do they, like, what kinds of preferences do they express when they're, when they're on the phone with you? Well, I work with men who are Asian and non-Asian. So a lot of times Asian men only want to date Asian women because that's what their parents expect. That's what their family expects. And that's what they want to raise kids that speak, you know, another language so they can talk to the grandma and stuff like that. So I understand that. And then I have men who are non-Asian who want to meet Asian women because they find the values and traditions and cultures very uh, similar to what they like, meaning they might want someone who is not totally into sports, like not all American girl, not into fashion so much or into the materialistic things that some women may be. They just want someone more down to earth who cares about family, cares about education, um, things like that. So it just really depends but the men who find us, um, I guess they just Google Asian matchmaker and I am the Asian matchmaker who serves all of US and have the largest Asian women database. So I guess I make it easy for them to meet Asian women and to introduce them because a lot of times the Asian women aren't doing online dating. They're just, they want to meet someone through a friend of a friend. So I get a lot of referrals from Asian women friends that introduce other Asian women to me. And, and what percentage of men that are coming are um, Asian or Asian American versus non? Um, I would say probably 30% are Asian men who want to meet Asian women and the non-Asians, I would say 70%. Okay. So yeah. yeah. So it's like the majority actually. Yeah. 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 But the non-Asian men who want to meet the Asian women, half of them are also open to meeting Caucasian women, Latina women. Do you know what I mean? So it's not like just because the 70%, they only want to date Asian women. Like they're also open to other ethnicities as well. Yeah. And is that, and I guess everyone that, that's in your database has their own preferences, right? So you have women that are like, I'd prefer to only date these kinds of men. And then there are women who are like, send me whoever, like, I just want to meet an awesome guy that is going to, that I'm going to vibe with. So women who say any guy that I just want to vibe with and men that might have my same key life values, those are the women we tend to get in a relationship probably 90% of the time. If they admit to being open and want to date people like their intention is to find a significant other, husband, boyfriend, then I can normally get them in a relationship because they're open to it. They send that message out in the universe and it happens. That's fascinating. Can you say a little bit more? Um, is that all, do you also find that to be true of the men who are coming in? That if they're like, I'm open, I just want an amazing woman who I'm, who I'm, like have the similar values, who I'm attracted to, who I feel excited about. Like, are you also finding, cause that's 90% is really high, like success rate. Are you also finding that on the male side? Oh, if men come to me and say, May, I really want to be married. I really want to have a kid. I really want to find somebody I'm ready. Meaning they've built their career. They're financially 
stable, they're like preparing to buy a home or have just bought a home. Men like that who come to me and ask for help, I have a pretty good success rate with them because they're open. The men who I don't have a very good success rate are the ones who come to me and say, send me the hot Asian woman who's like a nine or 10. Okay, if you're only, if you only care about what they look like, then yes, of course I could send you hot Asian women who are nine and tens because I didn't build my business with, you know, unattractive women. But at the same time, it's if you're only looking at the physical aspect of it, that's way harder for me to work with you, even though the women are nines and tens. It just doesn't work that way. Like the people you're most attracted to are probably people that you're not the most compatible with. So that's something, something to think about. Like if you're a six or seven coming to me and you want to date someone who's out of your league, just because you hire me, unfortunately doesn't mean that I can just produce this woman for you. Like she still has her quote unquote list of what she's looking for. So that's when things don't uh, match up so well. Like, I can't just make her go out with you and fall in love with you. <laughs> sure. And but would you say, I'm curious since you, you know, I like this sort of what you're pointing to of open-mindedness or really being open to relationship on, on either side. Would you say that most of the people, people as in both the men and women you talk to, like most of the people are open or would you say it's 50, 50? Like, what do you see in terms of people showing up and being like, I'm ready like it really depends on what uh, chapter of their life they're in. Because if they maybe just came out of a relationship and they just want to have fun and meet people, then they might be a little bit pickier and just want to date the good looking people. Um, someone who maybe has been dating on their own for 10 or 20 years and they're really ready to find somebody and start a family they might need to um, be more open and they know that. So the ones who I love to work with are the ones who are open and give people a chance. And I'm not saying just because you're really good looking, I'm going to set you up with someone who's not good looking. I'm, I'm going to set you up with someone who's similar to you. That would, you know, if you're an eight, I'll set you up with an eight. If you are financially stable, I'll set you up with someone who's financially stable or similar if you're educated, that's important to you. I'll find you someone who, you know, has the same level of education. So all those things matter. It's just, when I say open, I mean, for women out there, like, hey, don't be so ridiculous where you're 5'4 and you only want to meet a guy who's 6'0". It's like, that doesn't make any sense because I've never had a woman talk to me and say, man, my husband is such a great guy. He's amazing. He's a great father because he's tall. Like, you know, he's all those things. Yes, but not because of his height. So if you want to date men and be open and they're an inch or two shorter than what you like, then you should go for it. And men are my paying clients. And the reason why I chose working with men as paying clients is because men, I guess, are a little bit more forgiving with that kind of stuff. If she maybe isn't well-educated or doesn't have a great job, but she's super kind and friendly and shows compassion and she's cute, the guys will give her a chance. The guys will be more willing to overlook some of the things versus women. Women are probably a little bit more strict with 
their list. That is, this is fascinating. I'm, I'm totally riveted by this. So <clears throat> when you're, um, when you're matching people and you are, um, getting a sense of, like you said, be, you know, whether or not they're going to be <clears throat> forgiving or open-minded, um, are you basing that partly on, you're hearing back from people who go on these dates, right? I mean, they go on a date and then they're going to give you feedback, right? Cause it's either, I'd like to move forward with this person or not. Is that, is that how it works? Oh, absolutely. So I do get feedback from them after every date, um, after every first date, and they tell me what they like, what they dislike, what, what else are they looking for? Maybe we miss something. So they tell me a lot of times the men, if they find her attractive, find her cute, kind, uh, sincere, and something that piques his interest, he'll be like, oh, okay, I want to go out with her again. Um, even though she is maybe a year or two older than what he wanted uh, she lives maybe 10 miles further than what he first requested when he signed up with me. So he will overlook some of those things if in person she's cool, if she's a, a good package, you know, a great catch. So he's not so strict on his list once he meets her and he feels good around her. If she maybe compliments him uh, either verbally or what whatever. So as long as she feels good around him, he's going to want to see her again. So he doesn't care that maybe she doesn't make as much money as he does, or maybe she has a dog and he's really not into animals, but he'll deal with it. So just things like that. Yeah. And what you're, what I'm hearing is that that's less the case for the women that you're talking to. They're maybe more rigid around, well, um, I met him and he was cool, but I'm really holding out for this fill in the blank thing or whatever was on her, her list. Is that right? Yes. Some women. Um, and that's where part of the matchmaker or date coach comes in is to encourage women to be more open to say, okay, was there something that you just really can't stand about him? That was a major deal breaker, or huge red flag, or is it just something that you think you can overlook and, uh, you know, his pros outweigh his cons. So that's where I think our jobs as matchmakers and date coaches are to guide the women and talk to them and to steer them in the right direction where they give the guy a second, third date, just so you really know. Because how do you really know if a guy is a great husband, great father, just in 90 minutes of meeting him, you know, 90 minutes of a first date, like you don't really know, you really need to take time. If he looks great on paper and you meet him in person and there's nothing that totally, you know, makes you run for it, then you should give him a chance and just see like, okay, let me see. Maybe the second date, he won't be as nervous. Maybe the second date, he'll have something else to tell me or share with me. Cause the first dates are always awkward, no matter where you meet the person. So that's what date coaches and matchmakers try to encourage women to do is give the guy a second or third date and give him a chance. You never know because don't you see sometimes um, when you're walking down the street and you're like, wow, how's that girl land this really cute guy or vice versa? Because they gave each other a chance. Like that's the bottom line. I mean, it just doesn't happen. It's not like arranged marriages are all these first dates. It's like, Hey, it's not an arranged marriage. Just 
give someone a chance. Yeah. And I'm wondering, you know, because you, I would imagine, get to know your clients pretty well. Um, Do you have an intuition about certain, like, are there certain couples that you're like, oh, this is, this is going to be great. Like, like you're like, this is definitely going to happen. Like, have you, do you, do you find that or or are you surprised about like, whoa, didn't think I'm like, great. No, absolutely. Especially after we talk to them, interview them for about an hour, hour and a half, sometimes as their initial consultation, really get to know them. Then once they sign up, I still chat with them, text them, email them and get to know more about their personality. Because when I first meet them on our initial consultation, they're not being themselves, you know, like they're going to be themselves once I get to know them and they sign up and I approve of them. And then that's when they let their guards down and I get to know them a little bit more. But yeah, I try to match two people up if they are 80% what they are looking for in each other. So it'll be really tough to find someone who's a hundred percent of what you're looking for and expect you to have the chemistry and sparks on the date, but there's tons of people that I can match you up with that if you have 80% of what he's looking for and you have 80, you know, he has 80% of what you're looking for, then I'm going to make that match. And the rest is the chemistry part. Like I hope, you know, you guys will click once you meet in person, you flirt, you make eye contact and, and you go from there. And are you finding, so I was, um, uh, looking at this other matchmaking service and their, their stats, their, um, success rates. And they were, they said something like, um, most of the people that have found success with us have gone on seven or eight, like between seven to 10 dates, first dates, basically that has taken them seven to 10 first dates to find their match. Do you have a similar, like, are you, you know, when a man, let's say a man signs up, like around how many dates does he go on on average? And I know it's hard to do averages, but is it is it that many? Like what's the... Um, I would say seven to 10 dates is great because if someone comes to me, they've probably been dating more than a year, more than five years, more than 10 years, maybe 20 years. So they've been looking on their own for all these years. For them to give me seven to 10 dates, that's nothing. I mean sometimes I get lucky and they land the first uh, match and they like them and then they want to see other people and then they go back to the first match. So a lot of times um, if I set them up seven to 10 dates and they meet a person and get in a relationship, that's actually pretty good too. So you can't, um, yeah, I can't argue with that. I would love if someone meets their significant other within the first five dates but it takes me a couple of dates to get to know them too, because I ask for feedback from the women and feedback from the men. And that's when I learn a little bit more about them. And then I refine my search for the future. So and I would say, oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, I would say that our success rate is about 70, 71%. And when I say success rate, I mean, if they get in a relationship, they put their membership on hold, they have a baby, they get married, they get engaged. So the quote unquote success rate is, you know, it has to start with them getting in a relationship. So that's really high. I mean, first of all, 
mazel tov. That's really cool. And, um, and, uh, it's also really, I would imagine gratifying because if you've been doing this for 10 years, then yeah, you have, I'm sure you keep in touch with people or you've probably been to people's weddings and you've seen, I mean, their kids are going to be what, like eight now. Like (laughs) amazing. Yes. I love setting people up. At one point in time, I have six really good friends, like a good circle of friends of six of us. And four out of the six were in a relationship through me. And I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. You know, I introduced, you know, her boyfriend, her fiance, they're married, they have kids. And so it is really nice. And the whole point of being a matchmaker is you have this giant database of great women. And my sole job is to introduce you to them, uh, to people that you normally wouldn't meet on your own, because A, these women might not be doing online dating, or B, they just are private and confidential, and they don't want to just date anybody. So they want to be introduced to you through like a friend. So I'm like their friend and their agent, I guess. (laughs) So yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's a great job, very rewarding. Um, But on the other hand, I Facebook stalk some of the former clients and I realize, oh my gosh, they're married. Like they never told us because they don't want to advertise that they hired a matchmaker to find their spouse. So it's still, there's some still negative connotation to hiring somebody to help you with this aspect of your love life. But I think if you're ready to find somebody, why not enlist the help of as many people as you can? Meaning if you can't afford to hire a matchmaker, that's fine. Then you should tell all of your friends that you're single and you want to be set up and here's my criteria. I'm just looking for these three or five things. And if your guy or girl meets these three or five things that you want to introduce me to, I will meet him or her. That definitely has worked for at least one person I know. And it was pretty fast. Like she sent an email like 10 years ago. She sent an email to like 30, like 30 people that she was either really close with or fairly close with, like that really knew who she was basically. And she was like, I'm looking like I'm looking for my man. And (laughs) here's, you know, what's important to me. But what's more important is you guys all know me, like, you know, me, and you know, the kind of humor I like, and, you know, my level of education and all of that stuff. And like, you, you know, who I am, like who I actually am. And yeah, I think she was set up with her now husband, like a couple weeks later, like it was a really fast turnaround. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. And it's worth pointing out that matchmakers have been used in many cultures for centuries and it's definitely fallen out of favor in American culture. And like you said, I think there's even a stigma around it, but I do think it's worth noting that this has been, this has been the way that a lot of humans have found their match for a really long time. Absolutely. I think that your friend who sent out that letter or email to all of her friends, that's such a great move. Like that's people want to help other people. I think people genuinely want to help others, especially if they're in a relationship or they want to find love. They want to introduce people to each other and why not? And matchmakers are great, but all your friends can be matchmakers for you. (laughs) Like they could be your you know, your salesperson and get you good matches and 
Yeah. I, I was a matchmaker once in, uh, in DC. I was <laughs> my, um, housemate. I was friends with my guy housemate and he had just gotten out of a relationship like, like a couple months prior, like pretty freshly broken up. And, um, we were going to this bar and long story short, a friend of a friend was coming and I was like, Oh God, she's just your type. She's blonde and she's really smart. Like, this is like, this is definitely going to be a thing. And I was right. And they ended up getting married and they just had a baby. And I was, I was a little concerned because I was like, are you sure you're ready? Like, I don't know. Is this just going to be a rebound? But you know, these are grown ass people. They can make their own decisions, but I definitely knew who he was. Like I could, I could see it. How I was like, yes, this is, this is going to be exactly your type of woman. Like she's sharp. She's sassy. She's like going to give it right back to you. You know, like he was um, that kind of like incisive personality that was really like quick and intelligent. And I was like, she's not going to just take your shit. Like she's, she's your match, you know, like she's genuinely, she can, she can hold her own and that's going to be huge turn on for you. And, you know, obviously that wouldn't be everyone's match, but it was because I knew him. It was because I knew who he was and I knew who this woman was. And, um, I think it's worth also saying just, you know, we can all be matchmakers for each other too, is that you, you know, you know, your friends and you know, their preferences. And if you know that one of them's looking like, you know, maybe keep your eyes out because you're meeting people and you really, you just have a sense of who your friends are in, in such an intimate way that, you know, you, for example, as a matchmaker are kind of playing catch up there, but that's why it takes a couple of dates because you're getting to know that person and you're, getting the feedback from their matches and everything. But for people that are in there, the friends and family, you know, they, they already have a sense of it. They don't have your gigantic database, which (laughs) is um, something I wanted to ask about in terms of just because you have so many clients and you've seen so many matches. I'm curious if there's any patterns in what, what the men are showing up saying, like, these are the qualities I want in my, in my woman and what the women are showing up saying, these are the qualities I want. Are there any patterns? I'm sure everyone's different, but what do you see? The men, they just want a nice, kind, compassionate, sweet person. That's it. Someone who they're attracted to, someone who makes them feel good, someone who's fun, has a sense of humor, and she can be traditional and hold traditional values, which high integrity. She's honest. She wants a family and says she wants a family, like not afraid to admit that she wants kids. So being very genuine and vulnerable to who you are and what you're looking for. A lot of times there shouldn't be game playing when you're dating. If he, if I set him up and you like him, then text each other, call each other when you need to. Relationships should be pretty easy. If you're already fighting and think that you need to talk to a counselor before you're even engaged, that's a problem in my mind. I feel like in relationships should be easy. You shouldn't have to look at your phone to see when he's calling or texting you. If he's thinking about you, he will do that. And if you have to ask if he likes you, then he probably doesn't. Do you know what I mean? Like you should know if he really likes you or not um, based on his behavior and his actions. Yeah. Do you find that at all when you're, uh, 
talking to people or getting the feedback? Do you find that that's something that people are sort of talking to you about is like, well, I liked him, but I'm not really sure he likes me. I haven't heard from him or vice versa. Yes. Uh, sometimes the clients who work with a matchmaker, they get a little bit confused. Like, oh, do I just act like I like her and ask her out? Or do I have to report back to May? So the thing is, they don't have to report back to me. They should just treat this match as if they met them on their own. And what would you do if you like her, pursue her? Women like to be pursued. They want men to take charge and call them, text them, ask them out, be funny, send a joke, whatever that may be to set yourself apart. Um, And nowadays, it's kind of easy to set people, uh, set them apart from others is by calling. Like there's so many men who just text now. It's like, if you want to be different, call her to ask her out, invite her out and invite her to a place where she won't refuse, make it fun. And um, I think that's what we need. We want the men to pursue us. We want them to invite us and make it exciting with a date and time in mind, not just, Hey, you want to hang out on Wednesday and then not contact her until Wednesday morning, like tell her where you want to invite her to and take her out. So she has something to look forward to. So when someone says, Hey, what are your plans this week or weekend? She'll be like, Oh, I'm going out this great guy on Wednesday and we're going to blah, blah, blah. So that's, what's going to make it exciting for her is to be able to talk about it and look forward to it. Totally. I I couldn't agree more. So when you're actually making these intros, are you, do you just send the man, the contact info, or do you do like a mutual email intro? Like, how are you actually like, I am super controlling and I'm just kidding. I, when I set them up, I asked the guy, Hey, would you like to meet her? If you do send me your free times and dates and I'll set up the date. Meaning I make the reservation. I pick a place. I tell them if they're going out for drinks or appetizers or dinner or coffee or whatever that may be. And then I do the same with her. I ask her for her free times, her free days. And then I just set it up via email And then I do exchange their phone numbers in the email and I encourage the man to call her or text her a day or two before the date so they could, you know, hear each other on the phone, chat a little bit. But I encourage him to keep that phone conversation to maybe 10 to 15 minutes at the most because what if she's driving? What if she's distracted? And then you're asking her the same questions that you'll probably ask her on the first date So just keep it short and then save all that first date excitement for the first date. Cool. So you basically, you, you take the lead and you construct an experience for them for the first time. And then after that, it's, it's sort of up to them to keep it going. Yes. I set up the date for them, make it easy, make it fun. And that way the man and the woman can just worry about, you know, what they're going to wear, if they're, you know, flirt, have fun, relax, instead of the man calling the woman and be like, okay, when are you free? And she's like, I don't know yet. I don't know my schedule until next week. And then he's like, well, where do you want to go? And she's like, I don't know. You do know what I mean? Like all that stuff doesn't need to happen because I've already asked them what their favorite cuisines are, what they prefer to do on a first date. I already know their zip codes, where they live and where they work. So if it's a weeknight, I make it in between where they work. If it's a weekend, then I make it in between where they live. 
So I'm just trying to make dating fun for him and for her and less stressful. That's my job is to make it easy for them to date. I love it. So as we're starting to wrap up here, if there are people listening that are interested, how can they find you? And what, you know, I don't know if you're, can you say about what your price range is? Is that possible? Or do you wait until? No, absolutely. Um, You can find me at matchmakermay.com. And also my second website called twoasianmatchmakers.com. And my phone number is 310-867-0851. My price range anywhere from 4500 to 15000 depending on how long you want to work with me for, how selective you are, and where do you want me to search. If you want me to search just LA or just US or in Asia. So it really depends on what you want. And I can um, talk to you about that. So perfect. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on. And I really acknowledge you for the work that you do. And I think, um, I don't know if you have like a wall in your house of like all of the couples or like (laughs) something, but I think it's really sweet to think of all of the lives that you've you've impacted and the ripple effect, you know, because as those people start families, that's quite a legacy that you have. Thank you, Melanie. Thanks for having me. It was fun to talk about what I love to do for a living. So (laughs) I'm so glad. Hey guys, two quick things as we wrap up here. First, I would love for you to join the Big Sexy Data Set. This is the group of men and women, but mostly men that I poll to use with my surveys. And starting next month, April, we're doing a theme of the month, which is going to be around owning your power. So I'm looking for more guys to join. You just email me, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com and just say, I want to join the Big Sexy Data Set. I would love to have you. Second thing is that If you are interested in going into more depth than just the podcast, I really recommend that you check out the free training that Jason and I have done. It's called How to Take Control of Your Love Life as a Man. And that's available at evolutionary.men slash training. Again, that's evolutionary.men slash training. If you're ready to go into more depth and you want a little bit more guidance, it's a bunch of wisdom that we've gleaned from working with a lot of the men that we've worked with. So I really recommend that. And we just redid it. So I'm pretty excited about it. And I would love for you to check it out. See you next time.